passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And hello, everybody. Welcome to our WWE Fast Lane review. My name is Wei Ting, and I'm sitting in this chair in place of uh, John Pollock, who is uh, celebrating Thanksgiving with his family tonight. So Canadian Thanksgiving, of course, and therefore we have a non-Canadian joining us tonight. John Ceno, the marathon man here at Post Wrestling, uh, really hitting the triple crown this these past two weeks between NXT, AEW reviews, and now this week, WWE Welcome, and thank you so much for making all that time for us, John. Thank you so much for that uh, introduction, Way. I was going to ask you, I thought John possibly went to a Wu-Tang Nas concert, but I maybe got that confused with last Sunday. I wasn't sure. Yeah, um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I will take him next time there in town. How about that? I would love to see that, just like a live stream of uh, John Pollock at a Wu-Tang concert. You know what? Um, I, 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 I don't know if I'd be able to control him at that point. But um, uh, very privileged to, to have you on board as uh, we talk about tonight's WWE PLE. You know, we don't often get a chance to hear your thoughts on, on the main roster product. But um, what was your level level of interest heading into Fastlane tonight? Um, I think just with the overall like buzz lately with this Tuesday show coming up with uh, all these names being brought in and you had like the tease of Jade uh, possibly showing up tonight. I just like a lot of excitement in the air, like like wrestling is really exciting for me right now. And I, I love all this like back and forth tribalism. Like I love the positive about it. The part where it's like the fun, like surprise elements. It kind of brings me right back to my childhood with the Monday Night Wars and who's going to show up on Nitro and who's going to show up on Raw. So I kind of am getting a little bit excited because of that. And honestly, I've been enjoying all the WWPLEs. None of them have really disappointed me. So going into this, I was really excited. And when I saw there was only five matches, uh, nothing against last week's 14 matches, but just knowing that there's only five matches I need to like take notes for definitely puts me in higher spirits. <laughs> was there a particular match tonight that that really had more of your interest? Um, just I guess like the combination of like seeing like these tag teams being formed, like Cody and Jay was interesting to me. Even seeing on LA Night, like just having like these like odd pairings that I haven't seen before. But there wasn't like really like that one match that I really wanted to see. It just kind of like overall just how the presentation of the show was gonna be going into it. So coming up a little bit later, we will be taking some of our patrons' feedback over at forum.postwrestling.com. So if you had a chance to watch the show tonight, leave your feedback over there. Uh, as well, we'll be taking your phone call. So patrons, you should have received an email at some point. So uh, simply use that if you want to call in and give us your thoughts on WWE Fastlane. We should also add that there is a press conference going on at the moment. So if there are any notes, uh, chat room, feel free to let us know. We will monitor and uh, announce any 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 interesting um, and relevant notes. So this is how we're going to do it. Sino, you know, you are much better at doing these sort of uh, match by um, play by play, um, you know, recaps than I am. So I'm going to hand it off to you. And then, uh, you know, we'll talk about it after you discuss and let us know what happened. Yeah, absolutely. So we are in the Gamebridge Fieldhouse, Indianapolis, Indiana. They said it was a sold out crowd of over 14,000. And just out of curiosity, I was like, what happened at the last fast lane? Because I can't remember anything. And supposedly there was a fast lane two years ago in 2021. Um, I don't really have any recollection of it, but maybe you do. The main event was Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan with Edge as a special enforcer. 
Alexa Bliss versus Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura versus Seth Rollins. Okay. Wow. Um, I, I guess the Indianapolis, Indianapolis 500 theme is, um, it just really makes it um, worthwhile, I suppose. Every decade, you got to do one of these. Now, were you able to catch anything from the kickoff? I saw, yeah, I guess the relevant things again, you know, anything that was not uh, the panel. I, I realized actually the panel had a, a bit where um, Trick Willie, uh, the Booker T and um, Boy Bear did a, a sort of like a trick off, I suppose. Trick off, exactly what I called it. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was actually pretty fun. Like they kind of went back and forth because um, uh, as soon as the pre-show started, Booker T just handed Wade a subpoena saying, uh, you stole my gimmick, copyright infringement. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on here? I totally forgot that Wade redid the Trick Williams thing on Raw. So they kind of went back and forth doing it. And it was all for comedy. Um, I don't know what Wade was trying to do. He was doing some Michael Jackson impersonation with the trick off. But it was it was all done for comedy. Um, besides that, we had uh, Paul Heyman called Byron Saxon a canary with his yellow outfit that he was wearing. Uh, Rey Mysterio was worried because he sent the mystery partner a text message and he left him on red, which is never a good thing in wrestling. But the main thing coming out of the kickoff was the showing up and introduction, I guess, officially on screen of a one Jade Cargill. And she was met there by cameras and just photos and everything. And Triple H was right there to greet her. Um, Obviously looking like a million bucks, but um, I expected her on the show, but maybe in a different capacity, like kind of like sitting in the crowd, but I actually like this, how she showed up and, you know, a big introduction and she had the, uh, the, the, all the cameras and everything definitely made her seem like a big deal on the internet. I was already talking about her um, as collisions going on, which is kind of ironic. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it certainly sets up, I think, a tease of further involvement from Jade throughout the rest of the evening, but we got nothing else. This was all we got for from Jade Cargill tonight, unless she's supposed to do something here at the press conference. Again, we are doing this right after the show, so we're not aware at the moment, but we will find out, of course. Um, but beyond that, I don't know if this really serves, serves much purpose other than to go up against, you know, a 7 p.m. collision. And it certainly did its job of taking a lot of that attention away online. Yeah, I definitely expect to have some sort of press presence in the uh, press conference. And obviously, if anybody's watching, please let us know. Because whenever I think of the AEW press conference, I always kind of vision like her sitting next to Tony Khan was always like a familiar pairing at the press conferences. So to switch it up and have Triple H there sitting next to uh, Jade uh, would definitely be an interesting visual. Um, just seeing her in WWE just, just feels odd to me because it was one thing to see Cody. But to see Jade, somebody who's always been in AEW and nowhere else in a WWE screen was definitely a little um, baffling to me at first. Just because like just kind of like to soak it in like oh this is, this is something that's actually happening right now it's great isn't it you know it's like it's like seeing you know character pop up from dc into marvel or, or vice versa you know um and i love that she's clearly they're using the name jade cargill um yep. pretty much i mean looks very similar to like the way she would have looked in AEW. uh and they continue to make her feel like she is the biggest free agent signing that they've had in the women's division maybe ever now, with a couple of, like, announcements on the horizon with Cody on NXT and I think even Triple H on SmackDown, do you think either one of those can somehow be in, 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 something to do with Jade, I guess you would say? You mean Cody's announcement on Tuesday? Yes. Very well could be. Yeah. Um, I thought they would have, you know, seeing this today, that they would have something um, maybe a bit more upfront again. Maybe in the press conference, they might even announce something uh, by the end of tonight. But uh, I, if not, I could definitely see some involvement on Tuesday. We go into the main show and we get an introduction from Pat McAfee being from Indianapolis. And we'll actually get to see more of Pat later on in the show. And uh, the set itself, how did you like the set? We had a couple of race cars. Um, whenever they, they they pitched to a replay, you heard their room. So we got to hear that all through right. the night. You being an F1 viewer, how did you, how did you enjoy this South Fastlane setup? Uh, whatever, dude. I mean, this, <laughs> this looked like any other set except with like two uh, indie cars. Um, you know, um, I mean sure dude i i mean it was really nothing special um and and that's 
kind of, I think, appropriate maybe for what really did feel like a B or C level pay per view heading into tonight. We go into the first match for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. Finn Balor and Damian Priest of the Judgment Day defending against Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso. Uh, Jay Uso and Damian Priest start the match, and right away, Michael Cole brings up that we have Cody and Balor, both former leaders of the Bullet Club. So obviously, Cole was on New Japan World this morning, um, just breaking the internet with his uh, references to uh, other wrestling organizations. This seemed to really upset a lot of people I saw on my timeline that were debating, or at least like maybe trying to correct Cole about whether or not Cody was actually a Bullet Club leader. Mm. I mean, uh, remembering the whole Bullet Club is fine storyline, I at least think it's debatable, okay? And listen, there's definitely a lot of revisionist history, as you would expect from the WWE to, to them. Listen, how many people are really going to be fact checking this to to correct them and whatever like i would be i would i think it would be odd if they didn't just try to you know talk about cody as if he was a former new uh what is it bullet club leader you think they're gonna play more into this like maybe involve aj styles as well they can definitely like have fun with this if they wanted to right just like you know the leader who's the real yeah. leader of the bullet club but in wwe fashion i guess i don't think so man not anymore at this point like finn balor like would have been out of, and even aj they would they're so far removed from it and we've already done the oc i i honestly don't even know if it means that much anymore so the match itself starts with jay chopping and kicking away at priest in the corner so the story is pretty much them trying to target his knee throughout the entire match him and cody tag in and out and they keep working on his leg trying to take him down but priest comes back with a hard clothesline before cornering jay and tagging in balor cody and jay start working on balor before priest starts the momentum with a big kick to the back of jay's head uh this is the part where i mentioned where every time they go to a replay you hear that race car sound, so mm. it was definitely in my head throughout the show. A uh, bit of a slow pace here to start the match, but the crowd rallies behind Jay as Priest and Balor continue to work on him in the corner. But eventually, Jay is able to fight off Balor and make the hot tag to Cody. Comes in, hits a disaster kick for a two count. Cody follows us with a superplex before they both tag out to Jay and Priest. And then, like, I'm not sure what he was trying to do. I'm not sure if he's done this before, but Jay, like, takes off his shirt and puts yeah. it, like, on Priest's back and, like, punches him. Has he done this before? Not to my – I don't know if he has. Like, this felt like it was, uh, like, a new wrinkle to his babyface singles run that I actually did not like at all. Okay, we've seen a lot of guys, like, take their shirts off for the pop, like, you know, uh, Jeff Hardy uh, notably. But – it's weird when a guy does it mid move, you know what I mean? Like, so, so he does like, you know, the, the Dustin Rhodes uppercut type of deal. And like, here's Damien Priest, like hunched over, ready to accept it. And this is like Jey Uso slowly, like sexily peeling his shirt off for that reaction before finishing the uppercut. And I just, I thought it looked pretty silly. But like, if you're going to take off your shirt, wouldn't it make sense to just put it on Priest's like head to like cover his vision and stuff? Like he like slowly put it on his back. Used it as a coat rack. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. As a drying rack. Yeah, I I didn't really like it, but whatever. Like the people else elbow probably looked stupid as hell the first time as well. That's true. Jay follows us with a top row crossbody for a two count, but Priest comes back with a flat flatliner for his own two. Priest then starts mocking the Jay Uso uh, pose here before stopping him on the top rope, and he tries to do the razor's edge, but Jay escapes and sends Priest to the outside, where Jay dies onto both him and Balor. Jay sends Priest inside and hits the Uso splash, but Balor breaks it up at the very last second. Cody stops Balor with a Cody cutter as all four men are now laid out in the ring. Jay stops a South of Heaven attempt and takes Priest down with a spear as Cole goes right into plugging Roman Reigns for SmackDown this Friday. Uh, Michael Cole being a professional here, only having missed two days since starting in WWE. At this point, Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley run down to the ring, and Jay super kicks Dom, and then Rhea starts like flirting with Jay, which has kind of been the storyline uh, lately on the internet with Jay kind of like trying to kick it to Rhea. But Rhea here is showing some signs back. Obviously, this is just a distraction, as um 
as Jay, uh, he, he gets distracted here as Priest stops him on the top rope and hits somewhat of a hurricane rana. So I'm not sure if this was like meant to intentionally look bad because the story is being his knee. But obviously on the landing, he didn't get all the hurricane rana. Did you think this was intentional just for the story of the match? I do. I do. I mean, they really used the knee, you know, as, as, a, as a, uh, a selling point throughout the rest of the match. So I, 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 that's all I took it to be. But right away, Balor hits a coup de grace as Cody stops the pin at two. All four men have a standoff before they all go at it. And then J.D. McDonough shows up and he tries to interfere. Rhea takes out Jay with the briefcase, but he's still able to kick out when Balor goes for the pin. Priest chokeslams Cody on the apron before he starts taking apart the announce table. J.D. goes to hit Priest with the briefcase, but he misses and hits Priest by accident on the knee. And um, Cody takes out Priest with the crossroads on top of the table going, I don't think he went through the table. I think he just kind of hit it, just connected with the table itself Mm -hmm. goes back inside and they hit like a 1d cody cutter combo which actually looked really nice here Mm -hmm. as cody follows with the crossroads to balor and gets the surprising pin at 20 minutes and 45 seconds to become the new undisputed wwe tag team champions cody Cody, rose and jay uso yeah cody finishes the story i was gonna ask you that does this count as finishing the story because he has two titles (laughs) now instead of one right um probably not probably not but i mean the internet was was joking about that too um I did not see this finish coming. No, I mean, I predicted the, that uh, Judgment Day would retain just because they're doing so hot right now. Um, and, you know, I would have suggested because I see Judgment Day doing storylines both on Raw and SmackDown. But it's not like you need these titles to appear on Raw and SmackDown as Cody and Jay showed us yesterday. Um, but this does at least maybe seem to guarantee more involvement from Cody and, and Jay Uso over on both brands. So... I mean that that's pretty interesting. I also think it builds to a rematch that they 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 might likely do in, in Saudi Arabia, where I could see the titles just going back to Judgment Day, perhaps. Um, I thought the match itself, this show had a lot of tag team matches, and when you're talking about WWE tag team wrestling, there really is only like one style of tag team wrestling match, and for that reason, I. I didn't get into a lot of the tag team wrestling on this show, John, and and you might disagree, but I thought this match was pretty by the numbers and therefore just boring. You know, um, they definitely were able to do enough in front of this crowd just based off of their star power alone. I thought the close, as with all the other tag matches, was really well done, especially the I like the JD McDonough screw up to continue to further those tensions with JD and, and Priest. Um, really cool tag team finish with, with Cody and Jay. It's really hard to time simply the Cody cutter, but to time it with that, you know, flapjack lift um, as part of the 1D as well, I thought was really, really cool. But I was not really that impressed with the match itself. What did you think? Yeah, it was very formulaic. I agree with you. It was kind of like your average tag team match. I think the overall feel of this pay-per-view felt like a house show for the most part. And nothing wrong with that because the crowd was really into it. Um, Obviously, they picked wrestlers that all the fans can get behind and get into. So the energy was definitely there. But like wrestling-wise, it wasn't anything too spectacular that's kind of like stood out at all to me. Um, Like I said, the finish was very surprising to me. And as soon as that happened, my first thought was, is this the night where Damien catches in? Because it makes sense for him to drop one title to get mm-hmm. the other one. Uh, but does this mean that Jey Uso shows up on NXT as well? Now that they're tag champions, I guess they can kind of travel together. The only thing this match needed was Cody's first tag team partner, a tag team champion partner, Bob Sparkplug Holly to show up in his race car to congratulate yes. his former partner, but he turned on him. So maybe that's the reason why he didn't, but yeah, the match was fine. Um, nothing too spectacular, but like it just gave me that house show feel. So I'm sure like for the live audience, it was amazing, but some sitting at home, it was just like your, you know, by the numbers tag team match, like you said. How show feeling, or maybe like above average house show feeling is, is maybe what I, I would deem. I mean, this show was, I don't know if it was necessarily sold on like, 
in ring action more so than it was sold on like story and the 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 sort of spectacle of seeing a John Cena team up with an LA Knight or Cody Rhodes teaming up with the Jey Uso. Um and and it kind of delivered that I suppose, but it, it it did not to me deliver like the in ring standard, especially in the undercard that I usually look for. Though others might might disagree. Uh, but you know, uh, what do you think about War Games? You know, uh, it's probably you know a little over a month and a half away. Uh, we saw a closing scene last night from SmackDown with four baby faces opposing a, a, a united front of, of Judgment Day in the Bloodline. Um, Cody and Jay, if they have these tag team titles and if they could, can go over to to Fridays. Would maybe does it suggest to you that they are going ahead with that idea and that they're trying to they're going to be building that over these two months? Yeah, my first thought because with the other tag team match with with um Jimmy and Solo, my first thought was possibly them showing up at SmackDown and setting up a match between those two teams with Jay and Cody against Jimmy and uh, Solo. But that match could possibly happen at uh Crown Jewel because that's right before Survivor Series. So they're obviously leading us towards the direction of War Games, and they have all the teams and players there. Um, so I think that's that's fairly safe to say that's going to happen. Hmm. We go backstage where Wade Bear and Booker T are so excited from their uh, trick off from earlier, and they start talking about the main event, and they wonder who's going to tag with the LWO. And Xavier Woods comes out of nowhere and interrupts and asks him if he can watch the rest of the show with them. And we find out that this turns into a Pizza Hut ad as uh, Xavier Woods gets on his phone and starts going over the menu, and Booker and Wade get excited. Everybody knows Booker T loves to order his food off his phone, so he was ready to order. And, uh, yeah, this turned into a uh, Pizza Hut ad, which we later found out was a uh, – sponsor for the show but yeah how 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 could they in the middle of a show just stop what they're doing and start advertising something wait how do you how do you feel about that i mean it's so ridiculously shameless you know this type of product placement i mean i'm just trying to hear enjoy here to like you know enjoy content i'm on on a saturday evening i don't want to be sold anything i just want to enjoy art for art's sake um but john um I think I would have enjoyed this maybe a little bit more with the use of a VPN so uh, I can scrub through it quickly, maybe change over to a different uh, uh, country. So um, I don't even know uh, where I'm going with this. But <laughs> John, I'm here to talk to you about NordVPN. Yes. Do you use a VPN, John? I do use a VPN. Yes, it's very um, useful in a lot of the wrestling that I have to watch from around the world. Of course it is. And uh, of course, I want to thank everybody who's been using NordVPN.com slash post wrestling to sign up as uh, I'm here to remind you that you can use VPNs, including Nords, to buy AEW pay-per-views at discounted prices on flight by directing your IP to a location like the UK or Australia. This is how I also watch Dynamite and Collision commercial-free every single week through my AEW Plus subscription on Fight, a service otherwise not available in my location. VPNs are a must for anybody with concerns about online security, because if you do any sort of downloading of content, or if you're worried about unwanted tracking from advertisers, ISPs, phishing sites, and hackers, a trusted VPN like Nord's helps mask your IP to protect your browsing. Nord has also introduced its new threat protection feature, so even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it in the background before it makes a mess of your computer. So sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling where you can get a bonus four months on top of all two-year plans. They've also got a 30-day money-back guarantee, which comes out to about $3.08 a month when you sign up. Again, at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling. Check the link in the show description and... Sign up with our link, get yourself some bonus months, and let them know you found out about them through post. 
That deal sounds so exciting. My cat Blizzard heard it, jumped right on me, and asked me, how can he sign up to NordVPN? So after this, I think I'm going to get Blizzard signed up to his own account. Use the code. We go to the next match. It's Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits against the LWO, Rey Mysterio, and Santos Escobar, and a mystery partner, um, because a uh, Joaquin Wilde and um, who's the other guy? Cruz del Toro. Cruz del Toro. They both got knocked out during SmackDown by the Street Profits and Lashley. So they need a partner. Uh, Ray's been texting people. They're leaving him on red. He's not hearing an answer. Santos got all worried. So they head to the ring without a partner. You know, Xavier Woods, instead of ordering pizza, why couldn't he just been like, hey, Ray, you know, you guys are down. I'm not doing nothing tonight. I'm just sitting back, hanging out with Wade and Booker. Uh, I could have been your partner, but no, he chose not to. Even Zelina could have called up her husband. You know, he's not really working on Saturday nights recently, so he could have possibly done it. But no, no partner for these two. Uh, three on well, two. There, there's already an LWO, you know, John, like you, you have to apply through the process of getting membership. And it, I'm sure there's a lot of paperwork involved and they already have members. Maybe That's the first true. call was to Bad Bunny. Mm. Okay. You think you think Bad Bunny would leave Rey Mysterio on red? I would hope. Uh, yeah, definitely. He's very busy. <laughs> That's true. Lashley and Street Profits all have this matching black and gold outfits. Um, how do you what do you think of this look? Like it looks good on Lashley, but for some reason, Angela Dawkins in particular just looks a little odd in this uh this get up this black and gold. Doesn't really fit them. I feel like they need a total rehaul. It's like they took the Street Profits gear and just kind of changed the colors up a little bit. But I feel like this transformation of Street Profits hasn't really been doing it with me. They should possibly change the music. The music alone shouldn't mm-hmm. even like I can't even tell these guys are baby faces or heels, first of all. But the music definitely makes it seem like they're baby faces that just happen to be paired up with Lashley. They're definitely heels at this point, but yeah, they're very much, I would still say, in mid-transition. Um, I think one of the dangers of completely changing what they have is you end up possibly making them completely generic. So you're already car- start kind of starting to see that because they've taken away the, the solo cups. They've taken away any sort of dancing. And so they're coming out to the music still, but they're basically like doing nothing. Um, and yeah, like you don't necessarily want the solo cups for the baby face pop, but at the same time, they haven't necessarily replaced it with anything interesting either. So I think they're just kind of caught in the, in the, in the middle of the, tra- this transition where they don't exactly know what their heel characters are just yet. So Montez Ford and Santos Escobar start the match and Santos hits a top rope Purukarana looked much better than the one that, uh, Damian Priest was trying to do earlier, but Lashley breaks up the count. Lashley tags in and tries to put the hurt lock on Santos, but he's able to roll out of it. Ray tags in and goes for the 619 on Dawkins, but Lashley is on the outside, and he's able to grab Ray by the leg and drops him on the outside. Lashley and the Prophets take turns tagging in and out, working on Ray while going for the pin attempts. As Ray Mysterio was trying to take out to, Mon- uh, to Santos, Montez goes to the other side and takes him out. And then Zelina takes out Montez with a meteor off the apron. The heels continue to work on Ray as he notices Santos is not there for him to tag out. Then I hear some music, which I did not recognize because it's not the familiar music that I grew up with. But it is Carlito who makes his return to the WWE here. He's been rumored to be signed with them for the longest time now. So he is the mystery partner. He comes out and Ray makes the hot tag to him. Carlito looking good here. Takes out the Street Profits as Santos dives to the outside, taking out Lashley. Carlito hits the backstabber on Montez to get the pin and the win at 10 minutes and two seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Again, you know, in terms of a match, I, I thought it was pretty generic WWE tag team action. And this one, especially, I think it had most people, myself included, waiting for that, um, you know, last uh, entrant before anything of uh, of significance, I think. Um, Carlito as a reveal, sure, why not? You know, like he, again, has been sup- supposedly um, set to go for months now. Um, it surprised me that the Profits and Lashley look 
lost this early into their run, I think it does put a little bit of a, a damper on how threatening this group should feel. But the feud is, to me, likely to continue, so maybe ultimately it doesn't matter so much. Um, do you like Carlito as part of the LWO? I do. That's what, who I kind of figured going into this. I was like, he was like, either him or Dragon Lee, but with the with the way Ray kind of played it off yesterday saying I had to call him, obviously it wasn't Dragon Lee because he was in the building. So my first thought was it was going to be Carlito and just knowing that he was going to be there uh, anytime, you know, he's been signed back by SummerSlam is what I heard. So I knew he it was inevitable for him to show up, but I think SmackDown and being part of LWO was kind of like the foreseen conclusion for his return. Um, As far as the match goes, I didn't really enjoy this match. Probably my least favorite match of the show. It just, nothing really stuck with me in this match. Nothing really spectacular. I, I don't like when they do the whole, like we'll start the match without our partner. And then he comes at the very end, you know, fresh from the back and just tags in and gets the pin within like a minute. So because of that, I didn't really like it, but going forward, there's definitely some interesting th- things you could do with this. You have the whole Santos Ray storyline going, where Santos wants a title shot and now where Carlito kind of in the middle he can kind of be like a you know kind of mess up those plans a little bit maybe mess up the 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 family life that they have in the LWO. So I think bringing in Carlito and him possibly being like a tweener, not really a baby face, not really a heel can definitely spice up the dynamic in the LWO. Cause recently I haven't really been getting too much into the LWO. And I feel like having somebody like Carlito in there can definitely um, help them out a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how he fits in storyline wise um, with the dynamics that are um, in play. They're definitely like really slow burning this, this Santos Ray um, uh, rivalry, I would say. And uh, we'll see if Carlito might be the one to really kind of, you know, ramp it up. Man, the guy looks like a giant in this yeah. group, doesn't he? For sure he does. He, when I, I met him back in uh, over the summer, right after his, like, appearance. Um, He was at a House of Glory show. And the rumor was he was going to sign to WWE. He kind of, like, teased it and talked about it. And just standing next to him, I'm like, yeah, this dude is huge. Um, Never realized how huge he was. He did a backstage photo with John Cena, just kind of towering over him as well. So I'm excited for Carlito. I think he never really got, like, his fair like a really good run in WWE. I don't know if he had like an IC title, US title and whatnot, but I feel like now there's a lot more people he can wrestle with and actually like show off what he's able to do. And uh, I wasn't, the match itself was actually sponsored by Pizza Hut. We had the, you know, at, we can't, what, what's the slogan? I can't, you can't out Pizza the Huts. He had that mm-hmm. all on the apron and everything. So, yep. and this is not all of it because we cut to Michael Cole and Corey Graves and they get a delivery from a pizza delivery guy here and he gives them a, Big dinner box. Now, what's a big dinner box? I swear this is not a Pizza Hut ad. I just looked this up because I was interested in myself. A big dinner box is two medium, one topping pizzas, five breadsticks, and your choice of oven baked pasta or wings. So there, oh, there it is, right there. So I was definitely um, thinking about getting pizza, but I, I chose not to. I, I wanted to be a professional and um, watch and write notes on the show. So this sort of advertising works, is what you're saying? It definitely works. And uh, Xavier Wood shows up and he starts eating, and I thought he was wearing a Ribera jacket at first, but it was actually a Pizza Hut jacket. It looked just like a Ribera jacket. But yeah, just um, I feel like it's always Rey Mysterio in these matches, right? Whether it's like the Cinnamon Toast Crunch or whatever it is, it's always Rey Mysterio is like the face of these uh, advertising matches. I guess he's a mainstream enough name that a lot of like, um, I don't know, corporate heads might might have heard of him, I suppose. Um, and maybe they don't necessarily want to do this with like the main events. Like this is like the part of the show that we're willing to sell out, um, but not something. I mean, you figure the Cena one, too, but maybe maybe there's there's a lot more. I don't know. Who knows? We get an ad for Crown Jewel, November 4th, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. So it was rumored for a while, but we get the official announcement here going into the show. Uh, they show highlights from earlier today of Jade Cargill arriving to the arena, and she gets greeted by Triple H, and they call her the prize free agent get. So definitely making a big deal out of her signing. We go to the next match, triple threat for the WWE Women's Championship. EO Sky defense against Charlotte Flair and Asuka. 
And during the kickoff, there was actually a segment where EO told Bailey and Dakota to stay in the back as she was going to go out there alone, and she does for the match. As soon as the match starts, Asuka misses Charlotte in the face right away and goes for the pen, but EO breaks it up. And as EO and Asuka are going at it, they're tending to Charlotte on the outside. How do you feel with misting and wrestling? I feel like between AEW and Julia Hart and here with Asuka and later on, we'll see some more Miss. Do you think there's too much overexposure on Miss? Because growing up, I feel like Miss was like a very special thing that I would see once in a while. It wasn't like an all day occurrence like we see here tonight. Uh, is there too, <laughs> too much misting in, in, in pro wrestling? I think it's, it's at the level where I, I it's fine. Um, I think Asuka has always had it, first of all. So, like, it it it, it makes sense with her. Nakamura doing it tonight it was unexpected. Um, but, you know, listen, um, I guess if you're Asian, it's it's part of your repertoire enough at, at this point that they can get away with it once in a while. So, um, I, 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 I don't really ha- – um, I'm not that upset about it I, I, anyway. So as Charlotte is trying to get cleaned up on the outside, she comes in, she's all cleaned up, and she breaks up the sequence between Asuka and Io. Io and Asuka start working together and whip Charlotte into the corner, but she's able to fight them both off. Io head scissors Charlotte into the crossface before sending her right into a kick from Asuka. Io hits a beautiful missile dropkick on Asuka and goes for the moonsault, but Asuka stops her and hits a German suplex from the ropes, followed by a stalling kick for a two. Charlotte takes them both out with a top rope crossbody and signals for the title around her waist before she starts chopping away at both her opponents as the crowd starts wooing along here. Charlotte continues to work on both of them, hitting a double clothesline, getting a two count. Not the same type of double clothesline that we uh, see in AEW, so the crowd def- uh, definitely wasn't behind this double clothesline like the MJF one. Asuka and Io start going back and forth with pin attempts as Charlotte gets taken off the apron and sent to the outside, where Asuka whips Io to the outside and dives right onto Charlotte. Io, she... Attempts to do an Asai moonsault to the outside, but she barely connects with Asuka. And I feel like this wasn't just a one-time occurrence, especially in this match. I feel like a lot of moves weren't really connected, but this one was very glaring with her not even connecting. I wouldn't even say barely. She, I don't think she even touched um, mm-hmm. Asuka on the outside. Charlotte, though, goes to the top and hits a much better-looking moonsault to both of them. Back inside, Eo and Charlotte start fighting on the top rope as Charlotte has Eo on her shoulders in a fireman's carry position, and Asuka powerbombs them both off the top rope and gets a two count on both of them, as commentary mentions how she probably should have pinned um, Eo instead of Charlotte first. That's probably why she didn't get the pin. Charlotte puts the figure four on, but Eo quickly breaks up with a meteora. Asuka puts a leg lock on Charlotte while Eo applies to a cross face as commentary wonders what would happen if she taps out, which I don't know. Like, has that, I mean, I'm sure that's happened in wrestling before, but if two people have a submission, move on. And one person taps out on triple threat. Is it just declared a no contest at that point? I mean, or the dual champions? Like, I imagine it'd be similar to like a double pinfall. Like if somebody were to um, pin somebody else at, at the same time, you know, um, there's a reason why we haven't seen that too often in pro wrestling. And it's because I think it's just, it just, it's a very unsatisfying way to end a, a scripted professional wrestling match. So someday we'll, we'll have that answer, but um, not today. Asuka eventually lets go and goes after Io as all three women start going at it until Charlotte spears Asuka and getting a two count. At this point, Bailey runs down to the ring to check on Io, but B- but Bailey uh, Io doesn't want help from her. But this distraction causes Charlotte to boot Io to the outside. Asuka follows this with a code breaker from the top rope. But this is another move that didn't really connect here. Getting the two count, the crowd really starts getting into this match here as Charlotte puts on the figure eight on Asuka. 
Bailey gets on an apron to distract the referee as Eel hits her top rope moonsault to Charlotte, who still has the figure four, the figure eight on to get the pin at 17 minutes and 18, uh, 16 seconds to retain. But we see that during the replay, Oscar was actually tapping out before Eel even hit the moonsault, but the referee was distracted. So the story going into mm-hmm. this was um, that there was a submission before an actual pinfall. So Oscar technically did submit, and uh, Charlotte would have been a 15 time champion, but. The referee didn't see it, so it doesn't count. And uh, yeah, like I said, he'll retain here going into this, which I think was the outcome that I expected uh, coming out of this match. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, um, I just don't think there's really been enough interest put into uh, well, Asuka or Charlotte, and they they've both been champions so often that I, I just don't know if there's that much intrigue right now. Um, we also have Kyrie Sane about to come in, and I, I think you know we have that story to pay off as well as the Bailey story that we we would pay off too before uh, Io lost the, the match. I thought the finish was really cool. A lot of moves in the match, probably maybe um, again, like you said, maybe lacking in a bit, bit of tight contact, but I thought the action was really good overall. Despite that, I thought this crowd did not give a shit about this match for mo- almost majority of it. You know, um, they again they've done nothing to establish motivations for any of the participants in the match, and therefore nobody in this match felt hot. Nobody had the crowd's favor, and given that lack of attachment, I thought this match went too long. This is what like a twenty minute match, so you know, um, a bit of a dud in my opinion in terms of crowd reaction. If you watch it on silent, I think you might have had some enjoyment out of it. But watching it in, uh, with silence in the audience, um, I did not think it was successful. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of those moves that they tried to attempt and didn't even connect. You could definitely see the reaction from the crowd because they just kind of like stayed silent for it. And that kind of stayed throughout the match. And then when the ending came, it just they didn't really care, honestly. But what do you think is the next chapter as far as like damage control goes? Because you had the story where Bailey was asked not to come out, but she did come out, but this time actually helped EO win. So does EO yeah. kind of accept that, or is she still kind of like upset that Bailey continue continually helps her win the matches and maybe that's something that she doesn't want? They're on the same page now. So uh it's you know uh I guess more push and pull before they eventually get to their program. But it's the type of push and pull that doesn't necessarily have me that interested. You know, um I feel like I feel like we've all been ready for like EO to to really break off it and and do something by herself now as a full on baby face. She's playing very much in this sort of gray zone where she's she's a baby face to the audience, but within a heel stable being managed by heel. Um, And I I, I, the back like to me overall, like throughout this EO title run, it just feels like there's been a real lack of momentum about where it's all headed. Um, I don't think EO is any more over to me. Like she was most over in the title challenge against Rhea Ripley uh, uh, at Backlash. And uh, that was, no, wait, was that Backlash? Puerto Rico? Yep, Backlash. Yeah. Um, she was way more over there than she is as champion. You know, uh, I don't know if you agree with that, John, but I, I just That's haven't, true. I haven't felt much like forward momentum in this like entire damage control sort of like, you know, title narrative at all. Yeah. I wonder if like the Dakota injury might've like slowed down plans a little bit. Like, I feel like maybe they're leading to something, possibly a tag team match with Kyrie involved, but because of the injury, I know she's like long ways away from being cleared, but possibly that's the reason why this story is going a little bit too slow for me. Cause it's like one week they're on the same page and they're not, then they are. It kind of like, it feels mm. like they're just like kind of like stalling too much here with the, with this damage control. It's why I wasn't really happy to see them like, you know, uh, have Bailey and, and EOB friends again after this, because it just means we're going to extend this thing that much longer. Uh, so they need more people. They need to build more people. Um, I thought we would actually get some Jade Cargill, like something in this match, whether like they would show her watching somewhere or um, I don't know, even hinting at, at something else. But really, we got nothing. So I guess she was here to meet Triple H in the back. 
Yeah, like John Shap said, he's like, why was Jade even there if you're not going to bring her out? Seemed kind of pointless. I expect kind of the same. Like, if she's going to, if you already know she's there, why not just put her in the front row and at least have her watch the women's fighting for the women's championship? Agreed. Well, I mean, she was there to maybe generate some buzz ahead of the pay-per-view um, to oppose Collision, of course, as well at, at 7 o'clock. But beyond that, I was, yeah, I, I was pretty, per, you know, perplexed about why they, they didn't do more with her, at least. You know, working in retail, I, I will admit that when you, your first day of work, you're not really working, right? You're just kind of doing paperwork. So that's probably what she yeah. was doing. She's in the back just signing a whole bunch of stuff. She has to watch, like, training videos. You have to watch, like, um she orientation for WWE yeah. and whatnot. So she was probably a little tied up in the back. Okay. Who wasn't tied up was a LA Knight who comes speeding into the arena in a Slim Jim car. So I guess by being a spokesperson, you automatically get this uh Slim Jim race car. Well, car. <laughs> uh, well, hey, it was it was quite the um, power slide stop, and um, we know it was LA Knight who did it because he was the one who got out of the the driver's seat. So um, very impressive. Um, I mean, it made him look cool. I suppose in my head, I'm just thinking like, okay, so did he have to awkwardly climb over the actual professional driver, you know, in the inside the car before mm. getting out here? Yeah, the windows are tinted, so they definitely could have hit something. What did you uh, think of this car? Would this be on your shelf if they made a Lego Speed Champions version of the uh, Slim Jim vehicle? A Speed Champion Slim Jim, uh, whatever this is, 100%. Yep. Yes. Uh, the building techniques, I'm sure, would be very interesting. Yeah, I can't tell what it is. Maybe it looks like a Ford. If anybody knows exactly what kind of car it is, uh, let us know, and I'll see if I can uh, talk to representatives in Lego about possibly doing a collaboration with Slim Jim. We go to the ring, and we get a, a little bit of a surprise appearance, I guess, by Pat McAfee. I mean, it is his hometown, but with the introduction earlier, I'm like, maybe that's all we're going to get from him. But no, Pat McAfee comes to the ring wearing the Indianapolis Colts legacy title. These are the NFL titles that they've recently put out. And Pat says he would have missed his show because it's in his city, and he starts talking about, I don't know, he's kind of going all over the place here. He's talking about like how like you go to shows, and like they don't really give reactions, but that's not Indianapolis, Indiana. So I'm not sure if this is like throwing shots at any particular city, but he was pretty much saying how, like, my city wouldn't do that. We, you know, we make sure that we're into it. And like you said, this crowd wasn't really into the entire yeah, show. Yeah, he so. should have he should have said this before the last match because they were pretty quiet for that last match. So he starts talking about how Indianapolis needs a WrestleMania. And the crowd, of course, says, hell yeah, as Pat shouts out Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, and then Pat introduces John Cena before joining Michael Cole and Corey Graves on commentary. But is, is this a thing now? Like whenever you go to a town, you start asking the crowd if they want WrestleMania. Then at the end of the year, we're just going to have a vote. Like, does London get more votes than Indianapolis? But, um, yeah, it's like a running thing now. It's like, do you want WrestleMania? Like, do they expect them to say no? Like, of course you're going to say yeah. I mean, for one thing, it's it's a very easy hometown pop, right? Like, who wants WrestleMania in your hometown? You know, like, uh, no one's going to say no to that. Secondly, I mean, I, I do think that there could be something about um them trying to campaign audiences to increase demand in whatever tourism board is attached to these places so that um they put, put in a, a strong bid, you know, to potentially host a WrestleMania or something like that. I, I, I don't know if Indianapolis is in contention or not, but... um clearly i think there are several motives you know attached to a message like this i know they renamed the dunkin donut center in providence rhode island it's called something else now but i would love for them when they go there for somebody to be like who wants a wrestlemania here in the uh providence rhode island no you know john pine don't don't angrily text me uh saying rhode island shouldn't get a wrestlemania but like imagine them doing this in a town that doesn't even have a stadium and it's like well we can't even do a wrestlemania if we wanted to It'd be a little embarrassing but we go to the match. It is John Cena and LA Knight versus Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa. This is Cena's first televised match since WrestleMania. And I looked up the last time he wrestled in Indianapolis. It was actually him and Nikki Bella defeating the team of Carmella and James Ellsworth. Do you remember that team? 
Uh, I do remember, yes. I, I remember both teams very well. I mean, I, I followed the saga of John and Nikki very closely. Um, you know, leave the memories alone. Past stars talking about the last time him and Ellie Knight encountered. Knight was doing something different. So I I guess, was he still the maximum male model? Like, I, I was trying to remember yeah. the last time they interacted with each other. I believe so, yes. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy Uso, who was on SmackDown, comes out decked in red, while Jay Uso, who was on Raw, was wearing all blue earlier. So little confusing not sure if they got their wardrobe mixed up or whatnot but cena and jimmy start the match and cena right away overpowers jimmy and solo kind of gives him a death stare but jimmy says don't worry about this i got this solo eventually does tag in there and starts taking down cena as now him and jimmy start double teaming on him jimmy then starts acting like a boxer i guess he's like just kind of doing a little boxing pose and he starts um screaming at talking trash to him and he starts screaming at pat saying, hey, Pat, we used to be cool. And Pat's like, yeah, we used to be. I didn't realize that Jay and, and Pat McAfee, I guess, used to be best friends. That was friends. never really on screen, was it? I don't think so. I was doing some backstage. Like, McAfee said he remember. was like an honorary Bloodline member. I mean, they must, they must have been really good friends in the back. That's what I'm guessing. Like, maybe Pat, like, on commentary. Like, he wasn't even, like, cheering for them because the Bloodline were heels at then. So I don't, yeah. I can't even see, like, Pat, like, even being on their side. Anyway, Jay and Solo continue taking turns working on Cena, keeping him down for a couple of minutes as LA Knight still hasn't tagged in at this point. Solo then starts, um, he crushes Cena in the corner with like his hip attack. And then commentary, Michael Cole says, you know, he might have to go to a local medical facility as Pat McAfee says, yeah, he might have to go to a hospital. So I'm not sure where he's going tonight. They don't even know what to call it. <laughs> At this point, I feel like they just go back and forth. There's probably like no actual official lingo on what to call a, you know, a medical facility or hospital. I don't know. Um, Jimmy starts well, A local to- medical facility could be like a veter- veterinarian clinic, you know, it could be a, a physician's office, it could yeah. be a, a planet, uh, well, I guess that's not medical. Uh, pla- planet Fitness? I was going <laughs> to say Planet Fitness. Could be like no. a, you know, a physio uh, place. Yeah, they have know. like these 24-hour like emergency rooms around that you can go to. You don't have to necessarily go to a hospital, especially if you don't want to wait online. You just go right into right. the emergency center and just be seen right away. So, yeah, I guess that's technically a medical facility. Jay and Solo continue taking working on Cena, keeping him down for a couple of minutes. Um, and Jimmy starts talking trash tonight, and Cena is able to take out Jimmy with an attitude adjustment, but he falls down because he's been in the match for 10 minutes at this point. He's all fatigued out. Cena crawls over, but he stopped at the very last second by Solo, who drags Cena back over to his corner. We see Paul Heyman ringside, and it looks like he's, like, talking into his phone. So I'm not sure if he's, like, leaving voice notes or if he's actually having a conversation with Roman Reigns. But, like, does Roman Reigns not have Peacock? Is he not watching this? Or he'd rather just listen to, like, live notes from (laughs) Paul Heyman than actually watching the show? I'm not sure. He's got better things to do, clearly. You know, he's... uh watching collision and then he's just like watching whatever sports competition that there might be so solo then starts doing um i guess you can call them bonsai drops like it, it's not necessarily the same force that um you know uncle yoko used to do but he's pretty much doing like these mini bonsai drops in the corner but on the third attempt cena puts his knee up and finally makes the hot tag tonight after 13 minutes night goes to town on jimmy and solo as the crowd goes yeah with every single strike that night lands obviously the crowd was here to see la night jimmy stops the momentum though with a super kick getting a two count Knight continues to work on Solo and Jimmy as Cena hits a top rope crossbody to Solo. I didn't expect this. It kind of came out of nowhere. Like, in the middle of the sequence, Cena just goes to the top rope and hits a crossbody. So he's probably, like, telling people, hey, listen, I can, I can still do this. Jimmy follows this with a Uso splash to Cena. Um, as all four men are now laid out, we get a yeah, boo spot from the crowd here. It's a little different from the usual, uh, you know, before they what, go yes, boo, but now it's yeah, boo, more in the LA Knight fashion, I guess you can say. It's always been yay, boo, but... 
now it yeah, just sounds really. a little bit more, I guess, louder because of the the yes. Yeah. Knight meets Jimmy with a superplex as Cena follows us with a five knuckle shuffle. We get the BFT from Knight to Jimmy to get the pin and the win at 17 minutes and 21 seconds. And as Cena goes to raise Knight's hand, Knight stops him, and we're thinking, uh oh, why did he stop him for it? But Knight just wanted to show respect to Cena and raise his hand instead. But yeah. Not much to say from this match for me, honestly. It's, it's very, like I said, very house show, formulaic tag team match, very similar to the one before. Wouldn't say it's a bad match. Wouldn't say it's a great match. Just kind of a match, just right in the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. Big pop for the finish here. Um, but uh, I would say it did a good job of putting the spotlight on on LA Knight, which really, you know, is is the entire intent of a match like this. But I, I agree. Like for my 2023 taste, I thought this was a really boring match. Like we saw Cena at WrestleMania. Uh, we saw him. Didn't he have like a TV match not that long ago? Didn't he have a, a SmackDown match? The one where you're shouting really loud. It was that before. Anyway, whatever. He's he he either is uh, unable to do a whole lot, or more likely, maybe he just needs to be protected from any sort of significant risk, and that means he doesn't do a whole lot in these matches. Um, I, and I know this is their formula, you know, um, drag out the hot, the, the, the weight for the hot tag and then like, you know, have the crowd explode. I thought it was maybe unique to see Cena on the opposing end here and serving the hot tag to LA Knight. But God, I thought this went forever with nothingness. Um, they dragged it up way too long. Yes, the pop for LA Knight was really big, but I didn't think it was enough to justify what felt like really prolonged boredom for me. Uh, I, I you know, I... <laughs> I think like with let's say let's say like MJF an MJF match where the goal is to you know do get, get a big reaction without doing a whole lot. I think you at least have enough content and crowd engagement throughout some of those early portions without the need for him to take you know significant bumps. But this match was just like your very formulaic, low effort, bare bones selling. Wait, 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 wait. Boom. Um, I just it it was just not enough for me as a wrestling fan in 2023. As a business, I respect it. They managed to get by, you know, by promoting a, a John Cena main event, basically, you know, for for the promotion of this pay per view. Uh, but coming out of it, I I, I left pretty unsatisfied. You know, this felt like, like even more than the house show match. It felt more like the dark match, like after a SmackDown, where it's like you're mm-hmm. just giving you're just doing a match just for the crowd. You literally had 13 minutes of Cena just selling, selling, selling until he makes the hot tag, and then LA Knight within two minutes comes in, hits the move gets to win and the crowd goes crazy it just yeah this whole show like it like i said it wasn't a bad show it just felt like a very b-level show like when they used to do the brand split they had those like smackdown only shows or raw only shows it kind of felt like one of those where it's like nothing tonight's really you know nothing, nothing really matters tonight honestly but it's just giving the crowd what they want um but from a viewer at home you're just kind of like well this kind of feels like you know a smackdown honestly I think Knight definitely like benefited from this tonight, you know, being in the ring with Sita and feeling like he was the star of the match, uh, like with Sita basically like kind of playing the um, the person who was more of a sidekick to LA Knight rather than, you know, LA Knight being the sidekick to Cena, I thought. And I think like working with a John Cena style is going to really benefit LA Knight a whole lot because, you know, let's be honest, in ring, he's not very spectacular at all as a performer. Um, and I would say the same thing, about, at least about his moves and offense. You know, uh, I would say the same thing about Cena. Um, so learning how to sell for 13 minutes, um, I think, is is ultimately going to really help LA Knight, you know, um, get those main event matches, too. So what would you do for Cena for like a Saudi Arabia show? Would you put him in like another tag match or a singles match? Don't you think Solo is the direction right now? Him versus Solo in one on one? Yeah, I mean, like, like. I thought they would possibly go like Jimmy and um, 
Jimmy and uh, Solo against Jay and Cody in a tag match. But yeah, I guess you could do Solo versus Cena in a singles match. It just feels like they teased that showdown for a whole lot. Um, at the same time, I don't really want to see a solo or like a single Cena match. If it happens, I, I hope it's just complete like domination from Solo Sokoa. And I guess, you know, Cena... Like I'm just thinking back to the to the Austin Theory match where he was basically there to, to put over Austin Theory and um it was not a very good match. Not really expecting different for a Solo Sokoa versus John Cena match either, but Solo could use the win probably in a way much better than Austin Theory could. Yeah, were you surprised that like outside of the people that actually wrestled, we didn't really get like any other appearances? We got no you know no Miz, no Austin Theory, no Grayson Waller. It was just pretty much contained to the pool was wrestling on the show with any segments even backstage. Maybe not as much these days, you know, John. Like, um, they they've been pretty like sparing with with like not loading too much on on these PLEs. They need all that downtime to play those commercials on Peacock, right? And if there's no real relevance for them, um, well, why even fly them in? Were you surprised they didn't really like hammer the NXT show? Like, there was a commercial where they showed the gong with Undertaker, but other than that, there wasn't really too much. Maybe a little. Yeah, this would have been like a private opportunity for them to announce something big, you know, to again drive a lot more viewers. But um, I wonder if at this point they they feel like they've done enough to assure a win on Tuesday. They could have you know? definitely done more. They could have been like, as soon as Jay and Cody wanted to be like, oh, Cody's going to join uh, Cody on, on a, you know, Jay's going to join Jay. Cody on NXT. Yeah, they could have done something, just mm-hmm. a little, something a little more, just to kind of like uh, give a little bit more. Yeah, just you wait for Monday. Oh, what's going to happen? Is Are we going to get like the Rocks going to get announced as being in Ava's corner or something? Or we're going to get something, right? Some Somebody else is going to get announced on Monday, I feel like. We'll see. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. We go backstage as Finn Balor tells Damian Priest that he doesn't think tonight is the night to cash in. But Priest says that it has to be tonight and he's not going to go home empty-handed. But we see Rhea stops him and says Priest isn't ready and they will do it another night. And she asks him to hand her the briefcase, which he does. As soon as he handed her the briefcase, I'm like, dude, is, is Rhea going to cash in tonight? Like, why Why is she grabbing the briefcase all of a sudden? But I think when, once I saw this, I'm like, I don't think there's going to be a cash in tonight. because I Really? For go, yeah, for them to go out of the way and like just say that's not going to do it, I feel like I pretty much believe, believe them when they said why? it. Why? Because I, I think I, for me, certainly, and I think a lot of others would have said that that was like a direct, like a misdirect, you know? I I definitely thought that there would be something, but yeah, there was no sort of reference at all. Yeah, just I don't, it definitely worked for me. Like I saw that, I'm like, okay, this is I, I believe it. Like when Rhea says something, I feel like they they don't go against it. Like I unless uh-huh. like Rhea was lying to to us, like watching it. But if this was a, a contained you know conversation between them in the back, then I feel like Damien was going to respect um, Rhea. And um, so she, she... let's talk about it now. There was no cash in in this main nope. event, and. Was this a missed opportunity? Because look at look like to me, the, the only reason you do this entire storyline storyline with Seth Rollins and his you know thread, uh, sorry, uh, back that's hanging by a thread, this entire two month program with Nakamura is that it lays the perfect foundation for a logical cash in attempt from Damian Priest, and they they didn't do it. 
I would say they should have been a cash attempt. I mean, the, the cash itself, like they should have cashed in and won the title because coming out of the show, there isn't like the one major story that everybody would be talking about. It just was five matches, nothing spectacular, nothing stinking, but like no real significant big, like, yeah, Jade showed up, but she didn't really do anything. We knew she was there. We knew she was showing up. So by kind of doing like the cashing at the end, that definitely would have gotten at least people talking, like coming out of the show, like something major happened, but nothing really major happened. It was just a couple matches. Some were good. Some were not. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think this show could have definitely needed the, the cash in. I, I was just really surprised. And I do understand, okay, like Rollins ended up winning the match and it wasn't exactly like, you know, um, the usual opportune time of like a, a baby face being completely down, but he was still very injured coming off of this last man standing match. And you could have easily had Nakamura attack him one more time from the back to set this up just for that big, big memorable pop at the end. But they chose not to do it. And I really can't understand why. Are we going to get another scolding from Rhea tomorrow? Like the same way she scolded Dominic for losing the title. Is she going to like give a talking to the Finn and, and Priest on Raw? Uh, for losing the belt? Yeah. Um, I guess you would have had it here, but yeah, maybe maybe you will. Remind me, what show are they even on? I can't remember. Are they They're on, on Raw? Raw. They're on Raw. Okay, so they can yeah. show on, on Raw. Because I know when, when Dominic dropped the title, the little initials that she had with the R and D, she dropped the D and just put just the R on it. So... What is Rhea going to do now for, for Finn and, and Priest? Maybe she won't do anything because Priest still has the, the briefcase. We cut to the audience where we see the Indiana Hoosiers football team, and there is a one Declan McMahon, yes, the son of Shane McMahon, who looks just like his grandfather Vince, was right there in the front row. I think the first, um, I guess, on-screen appearance of uh, well, we've Declan? seen him throughout not kind of him entire... as a baby yeah yeah we've seen him like as a as a kid like now the ki- like now this guy looks like an adult and and maybe it's it's our first appearance of of the adult declan mcmahon he looks a hundred percent just like vince in his young pictures it's it's, it's almost scary it's so you know? scary definitely the yeah. first time like they like keyed him in as like you know this is a person but i didn't realize he was on like the football team i guess he's he must be pretty well you know, pretty good football player. You would think for him to be spotlighted there, unless he's just there because he's a McMahon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely uh, read about some of that. So um, probably not the last we've seen of him uh, on WWE television. You see a quick commercial here for, I guess some new WWE monster truck. Uh, you got Butch and Ridge Holland promoting this monster truck. And I'll, I'll be honest, whenever I take my son down to toy aisles and he sees like these wacky WWE toys. Yeah. Not interested in whatsoever. He's like, <laughs> why are these wrestlers like in these monster trucks and like crashing through this and that? Like, it doesn't make sense. Um, I guess, you know, in no the past, sense. well, in the past you'd have like what the, when Brock Lesnar ripped up the, the, the car and you could car sell door. that, but this yeah. one doesn't make sense at all. Like, why are Butch and Ridge Holland in a monster truck? It just, like, reeks of, like, I, I guess market research and, like, trends of, like, what little boys buy. And I guess typically it's, like, you know, cars and it's, like, things with wheels. And how can we fit this professional wrestling sport that has no cars in it whatsoever? How can we fit it with this, like, number one trending, you know, toy that, that t- boys tend to buy? Um, It's just, like, reeks of, I don't know, when they would do, like, weird, like, you know, like Ninja Turtles um, themed, like Ninja yeah. Turtles in space type of like product lines that just had nothing to do with the TV show. Um, they must sell decently enough for them to continue to do, to do it. Yeah, somebody's buying them. I'm not sure. I haven't never seen anybody who bought any of these like non-wrestling WWE toys, but somebody's definitely buying them. But they need a Lego Speed Champions Slim Jim car with a little Ellie Knight minifigure. That's what that's what the world. Needs. You can mock it, maybe. See so you now. Oh yeah, for sure. We go to the main event here. It is for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, a last man standing match. Seth Rollins defense against Shinsuke Nakamura. 
I have to say the entrance gear from both of these men, I feel like I was about to watch like a fashion show. You had Rollins in his all white and then, uh, sorry, uh, Shinsuke in his all white. And then Rollins was wearing, it looks like a, like a Versace type of gear for the pattern that they showed. I'm not sure if anybody knows exactly what he was wearing, but it definitely looked like it was Versace. As Muggin informed us, it was definitely Versace. Thank you, Muggin. The crowd starts right away as the match starts chanting for tables. Not even a minute into this match, the crowd's chanting for tables. Like, they can't even wait. They just want tables right away. They just start the match with tables all over the ring because this crowd, that's all they want in all these matches. But instead, Rollins grabs a kendo stick and they start fighting on the outside as Rollins exposes the floor. Rollins picks up steel steps and launches him to Shinsuke, but he's able to dodge it and get out of the way. And he also dodges a stomp attempt on the steps on the other side. Rollins starts tossing chairs and trash cans inside, and he finally grabs a table as the crowd roars, yeah. He gets another table. Fuck yeah. They're going crazy for these tables. They just love tables here. Seth tries to send Shinsuke back inside, but he stops him on the apron with a knee to the back of the head. Nakamura then grabs a pair of nunchucks. He places a trash can over Seth and goes to town with him with a candlestick as the ref starts counting him out. <laughs> Why are these fans chanting for nunchucks? Okay. I don't know. I guess, uh, we want yeah. nunchucks. The funny part about it, and speaking of Ninja Turtles, this reminds you of Ninja Turtles, like <laughs> when they would have these weapons and they never actually use them the way that they're supposed to use them. Because instead of, you know, just taking a nunchucks and knocking uh, Seth over the head with them, he like starts choking him out. Like he puts like the metal part of the <laughs> nunchuck in the mouth of of a uh, of a uh, Seth and just starts pulling away. That's not how you use a nunchuck as far as I know. I mean, he, he did hit him, hit him a few times in the back, but I, I also imagine it's kind of tough to work like what were probably real nunchucks. You ever see like that? Um, there's like a I forgot it was like college humor. One of those like animated things where they took the Ninja Turtles and actually showed them what it would like look, look like if they actually used their weapons. And like Leonardo's like, wow, I could stab somebody with the sword. It was like total. <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. Has he never stabbed um any like uh, foot soldier like with with the sword? Like, what's the sword for then? Maybe Muggin two can, swords. Maybe Muggin can inform us. Maybe in the comics possibly. But I remember like the the cartoons. They were never allowed to show too much violence. They could never use the weapons. Same way that like Spider Man wasn't able to like punch people with his fist. Must, be, must have been really the, com- the comic then, like where where they could be a lot more adult, like the original. Yeah. Why give them all these weapons if they they can't even use them the right way? Well, they're just cool, right? Who didn't want a sword or size? Seth, Seth starts swinging away with the candlestick, and he takes down Shinsuke with a running knee. Heads to the top rope and hits a frog splash, but Shinsuke gets up at eight. Dodges Rollins and uses the kendo stick on him with a running knee himself. Shinsuke picks up the table and places it in the corner and crashes into it as Seth dodges, but the table doesn't fully break. It just kind of cracks a little bit. Seth follows us with a stomp, but Nakamura gets up using the ropes at eight. Seth starts clearing the commentary table and grabs a ladder and places Shinsuke on top of the commentary table. But as he's about to jump off the ladder, Shinsuke just moves out of the way as Seth slowly gets down. They start fighting against the barricades. Before they go into the crowd, Rollins starts chasing him around with a steel chair as they head towards the entranceway and they start fighting like up the steps before Shinsuke hits a low blow and sends Rollins crashing onto the floor. But what do you know? There's like a crash pad right there. Camera conveniently doesn't show the crash pad, but obviously you can see um, that there was a crash pad right there. So Rollins is not dead. That's that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, uh, the, the I mean, I don't I, you, you don't it's not supposed to be a crash pad. OK, it's supposed to be like a conveniently sort of like um placed very soft looking platform it looks like a giant mattress to me so i'm like oh, that looks like fun it looks like something i don't want to jump on myself they start uh, fighting towards the ring again where shinsuke reverses the pedigree sending rollins onto the concrete back in the ring rollins stops a kinshasa attempt with a super kick and hits a pedigree as the referee starts counting them both out but shinsuke gets up right out not right at the nine count rollins who has all his back all taped up here starts struggling to set up a table here but eventually does set it up Shinsuke, though, places Seth on top of the table and hits him with double knees off the second rope, crashing through the table. And then Rollins barely makes it up at nine here. 
as Shinsuke is there with a chair and starts hitting chair shots to the back of the head here. They both start climbing the ladder now that's still by the commentary table. And Shinsuke stops Seth with red mist. What did you think of this red mist? The red experimental mist, right? Was this experimental? I I, I wasn't sure. Um, So when Nakamura did this, I'm like, he could do this? Um, And then I remembered, oh, yeah, like in the Muda match. Like that that didn't happen in the WWE. As far as I know, I don't think he's done this in, in WWE, has he? No, I've never seen like a crimson face like up a mist from WWE before, for sure. No, but has has Nakamura sprayed mist before in the WWE? Oh, has he sprayed mist before? I want to say yes. I feel like he definitely had, but not red. I feel okay. like he's definitely done it in the past. I could be wrong. <laughs> Whatever. I'm getting. I'm. I'm like beginning my mist all mixed up here between all these wrestlers here. Yeah. So I mean, I, my my last memory of him doing mist was was uh in in the mood of retire or at least um yeah the great mood of retirement match. Not to be confused with the KG mood of retirement match. Um. And I suppose he, um, you know, it's it's a tactic he's learned and, and kept in his back pocket. And uh, I also felt like the red, you, the usage of red mist was maybe just their way of um, giving you the visual uh, and impact of of a of a blade job without actually doing it. And all of this, I thought, was to serve for what would be, I think, a really tense and perfect cash in attempt afterwards. But they right? did not do it whatsoever. It definitely give a good visual. Like if you're just like going through pictures online and you see like Seth with his with his face all red, you're like, whoa, what happened here? Without realizing that it was mist, because you could trick somebody, you could think it, it could be blood. Mm. But as he sprays him with the mist, Seth goes backwards right onto the commentary table. As Cole is just yelling at him, just stay down, just stay down. But of course, Seth doesn't listen to him and he gets up at the nine count. They go back inside the ring where Shinsuke sends Seth back uh back first into a chair. I guess he does like a back break onto the chair. Obviously, he's targeting towards that. And he sends him through the table in the corner with a Kinshasa. But Seth is able to roll out of the ring and conveniently lands on his feet at the nine count here. They continue here. They go back into the crowd now and start fighting on this ledge that's right there. I guess like, uh, what would you call it? Like a ledge right by the steel steps, I guess? like uh, Randomly, conveniently random placed ledge. platform uh, for them to jump off of. Yes. They start tussling a little bit. Rollins reverses and hits Shinsuke with a pedigree, followed by a stomp. They both get up, and then Shinsuke puts them through a table, which is also conveniently right there by the side, with a falcon arrow. The crowd starts chanting, holy shit. Both men struggle to get up, but Seth barely does it to nine. Shinsuke does not get up at 28 minutes and 26 seconds, and Seth Rollins retains the World Heavyweight Championship. Main event length, you know, for this last man standing match uh, at uh, almost 30 minutes here. And... Overall, I thought it was a very good last man standing match, John. You know, um, good escalation. I think the backstory has been really well told over the course of these two months, and it served as a, a really strong base for, for the match. I thought Rollins selling was really strong. I thought Nakamura like felt like the very devastating villain, you know, super villain that that he's been sort of like built up as over the past two months. Um, I thought they were pretty creative with some of the spots and, and, and you know, setups around the arena, maybe as obvious as some of them were. Um, um, for WWE, where I think they've put a lot of priority into making sure bumps are safely taken, I totally don't have that much of an issue with it. Um, satisfying crashes through tables, I thought they found a way to visually create a blade job without the use of blood or even, you know, the suggestion of it. So I thought it was a good main event. Did you feel the same way? It was definitely a match of the show, like, when I, you know, no questions asked. I, it definitely could have used a little bit more. I feel like by them doing that backstage segment with the Judgment Day, kind of like, uh, it kind of made, like, obviously, I wasn't expecting anything. But if they would have, like, not shown that and then maybe have, like, a J.D. McDonough come out during this match and do a little bit of interference and kind of give you that tease and then maybe cut to the back where you see, like, 
Rhea stopping Damian mm-hmm. Priest, whatever the case is. Just kind of like give us a little bit of like a tease, a little bit more of a tease of the cash in by having other members of the judge. Rhea could have done the, the scene like in per- in arena, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm surprised they did it in the back. Like, why not just do that like as they're coming out and then you have like Rhea stop him and take the briefcase away? Maybe I thought, thought I, I thought for sure, like at the end of this match, like seeing Seth Rollins bloodied up, like we would get some form of cash in attempt. Just again, you know, just for for the for the big memorable like reaction to to seeing it, uh, and again, just because of the stage being set by the perfect type of match to set up a cash in with, with the last man standing, and they didn't do it, and I just really could not figure out why, and I couldn't even figure out why they. I guess they wanted to get ahead of like the audience's expectations by by telling them that this is not going to happen, but I think by doing it, you only set up <laughs> expectations that they are they were just you know uh, misdirecting us, anyway. But- Especially with like the final scene being like Seth celebrating in the crowd with the fans, you could have had like somebody from the Judgment Day in a hoodie just kind of attack him. Do something different since they're already in the crowd, like and away from the ring or whatnot. But um, yeah, I was a little disappointed by no cash in or no even like tease at it. And um, yeah, just kind of give like a flat ending to this flat show. Honestly, it wasn't like the best show. It wasn't the worst show. It just kind of was a show that just happened. I agree with you in terms of like um, I guess relevant things that happened. You had a, a tag team title change. Um, Jade Cargill appearing in the, in the, the kickoff. Uh, but beyond that, I, I did not like this show. And that's a rare thing for me to say these days about any AEW or WWE PLE, because despite whatever build that may occur, uh, heading into these events in ring, these, Matt, these shows almost always deliver to like a, a very high 2023 standard. And this show is just not that, um, I think, uh, first of all, the women's match, there are a lot of problems, I think, within the division and EO's, EO Sky's uh, title run right now where she's just – they've made zero effort to make her feel interesting uh, and, and, you know, much less like the, the people that are around her that are challenging her. I thought the Cena match was like 2023 John Cena, like nothing, you know, um, it may be satisfying for the people that are in attendance who really just want to see John Cena's face, but – i i see i've seen enough of his face for my lifetime i need him to wrestle and he did not wrestle tonight um and then like throughout up and down the card i thought the tag team wrestling was just incredibly generic and very unsatisfying for me i agree i thought the main event was the best match on the show uh but even then i i I could see people not being completely satisfied by what you got there either yeah i mean i i hate this term mid but it pretty much was the definition of a mid show like like I said, nothing amazing, nothing like the only standout things, I guess, like like the tag team title change was surprising. Um, Jade Cargill appearance, but something we expected. Carlito, somebody we just saw recently, so it wasn't too surprising. Um, I learned what a big dinner box is. Um, but other than that, there really wasn't, like I said, nothing really memorable coming out of the show. It was a really great main event. If I had to say watch one thing, I, I would say watch the main event and possibly the tag team match. But other than that, you can pretty much skip the rest of the show. So those are our thoughts about tonight's WWE PLE. And now let's go to some of your feedback uh, to see what you guys thought. And we, of course, have a uh, channel membership here at YouTube.com slash post wrestling. And if you remember, you get a chance to leave some messages. We get one here from Jake, who's been a member for nine months. Thank you so much, Jake. He has a uh, message saying there's been some bad questions at these wrestling scrums. But a guy asking Eosky about possibly wrestling Taylor Swift took the cake. Shake my head. Yes. Uh, well, so again, we have not heard um, the press conference, but Jake has been, uh, I guess, updating us about some of the questions that are being asked. And he says, someone asked EO if someone else who is making pop headlines would like to wrestle her like Taylor Swift. They just let anybody into these, these scrums. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's 
you know, anybody with like a a platform, I suppose that's big enough. Um, maybe WWE will just let in. I don't even know if they have certain expectations about like hard hitting journalistic questions at these uh, as much as they just want press, right? Even from like you know people that you would categorize as fans. So, I, I, I again, I haven't seen it to, to enough to comment on it, but it, 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 it unfortunately it seems to be expected at some of these. Uh, let's go to some more of our phone calls here from, uh, of course, people that are uh, patrons at postwrestlingcafe.com. Let's start things off here with Muggin. Hey, Muggin, welcome to the show. What's up, y'all? Hey, hey Muggin. Yes. It was a little dark. A- anyway, um, Fastlane was easy. Fastlane was easy to watch. I mean, the last man standing match was easily like the highlight. I mean, it was it was very neat to see Shinsuke. You know, Shinsuke was like was so, looked so inspired. I mean, with the nunchucks and that Muda spot of the ladder. It's killer, mm-hmm. and uh, I wasn't counting on. I was not counting on Priest, you know, cashing in today because a he was selling the knee, and b you know, and b he, lost, he, just, he just lost the tag titles, which is quite surprising. I was I didn't I didn't even see that coming because you know the tag title match definitely had the definitely had the usual judgment day fuckery. But I mean, coming out of it, I think I feel like you know Cody and Jay as tag team champions opens up even more interesting possibilities. I mean, there's also you know there's also the possibility of you know of Owens and Zane, you know, having having feeling feeling that kind of way about them getting the towel instead of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And what else? Um, the women's triple threat, the women's triple threat was was very good. I mean, the Bailey interference was was something that was something that was I saw coming, but I, it was a good match, and it was nice that Charlotte took the pin instead this this time around. I mean, that finish actually called back to like you know take over in your house in a way. When Charlotte got the figure in Oscar, it called back to that. It called back to that finish. Mm-hmm. Despite the feeling, and coming out of it, I don't even know what's next because I mean, I don't know. I, I I'm, feel, I'm I'm left feeling now what? Now, like now, what is you do? Because I think that's like a common like question for a lot of these programs. Like, what's next? Because we obviously have a Survivor Series, but there's a Crown Jewel before that, and then yeah. obviously all roads lead to WrestleMania. But it's like I feel like there's a lot of filler, just a lot of just stories that like aren't even close to being concluded yet and we just have to like figure out what to do until then so i feel like that's like a common issue with a lot of these uh, stories going on right now in WWE. more so with more so with uh more so with uh the women's style picture right now because it's to me like you know look i love you i don't think the world of her but like i mean she needs to show some agency because mm-hmm. i mean i mean because bailey's doing most of the talking for her. i mean and uh you, like yeah i mean i would love, I love, I love to think that at some point you would have to put a foot down did you watch the press conference Muggin? I did. I watched. I watched some of it. I mean, uh, any notable uh, highlights? Uh, Cena was. Uh, Cena mentioned something about the SAG after strike, saying that you know once that's once that's done with, like he'll go back to work because that's uh, the reason he held back in that tag match. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like I mean, it was. I didn't have that big. I didn't have that high, that high expectations for that tag match, but I mean, it was meant to showcase LA Knight, and and, and they did. That dude was over like Rover. Um, I, I mean, yeah, it, it, it did a good job of showcasing LA Knight, but it made you like wait 15 minutes for it. And I, I don't think that was necessary. Like, I, I understand why he's not here to take like major bumps. He's not doing anything like, you know, that, that risky. Um, at the same time, I wouldn't have the match go that long. I also, I would even hesitate to like advertise a wrestling match if the guy can't even necessarily wrestle. Like, I mean, again, this is maybe I'm a minority speaking because I think a lot of people are perfectly satisfied just being able to see John Cena on a pay-per-view even do a very bare bones type of wrestling match. I guess with as much wrestling as I watch these days, I'm not one of them. It felt, I mean, this whole show felt like this whole show felt like a, uh, felt like an in your house type of, type of show. Sure. Thank and, you, uh, Muggin. 
I'm looking forward to Tuesday because to me, like Tuesday is where is where shit. Tuesday is the main event. I'm looking forward to Tuesday way more than I was tonight. So thank you so much, Muggin. Appreciate it. Take Let's care. go up next to Brian. Hey, Brian, welcome. Hey, John Way. Thanks for the review. Um, I thought the show was just okay, but it was largely B show. Um, I think there were stronger finishes than matches, and um, mm-hmm. uh, the most interesting thing to me about judgment day are the breakup teases because otherwise the frequent interference finishes in their matches have been beyond sale for me so it was nice to see it backfire here so it's very surprising title change to me and i thought the main event was really good uh, what did you think of michael cole's commentary commentary during this match because he really laid it on thick for what laid it what Just, laid what on thick like this the state of Seth's back like, oh. why are you doing all this? You you could you could be, end up in a wheelchair or s- stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Is like he was treating it like it was the end of the wrestler almost. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, it could veer on too much, especially because we've seen this guy wrestle like his style for such a long time. Um, I think they needed something really significant to start this entire storyline. Like they needed Nakamura or somebody else to like delivered like one really big spot that somehow could suggest that Seth's back is in a state much different from what it was before, you know, his program with Nakamura or even like, you know, Nakamura could have suffered like a big injury in the program prior that would have led to like, you know, Nakamura like this, uh, sorry, Seth, whatever Uh, Seth could have suffered a big injury in the, in the program prior to Nakamura that would have like led to this like big change. Um, I thought it was fine, like, Brian, because it's sort of like the nature of professional wrestling. You're trying to, you know, the commentator has to sell the storyline and they have to do the best that they can to um, do that. And sometimes I could feel like it's exaggeration, but I guess I'm just used to that in my professional wrestling storytelling. Yeah, exaggeration is the key. And uh, I was able to watch the first hour of Collision before Fastlane started. And two things of note. Uh, one, both companies had their tag titles change hands, although I'm thinking it's a coincidence because it's very different reasons, I think. Hmm. And also, aside from Rollins and Nakamura, uh, I thought Brian Danielson versus Kyle Fletcher was better than anything on Flip Fastlane. Hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, I so, can see that. And, and uh, just a quick question uh, before I go. John, yes. have you seen any Predator movies? I've seen all the Predator movies. I've seen Predator, Predator 2 with Danny Glover. Uh, yep. the, the Predator, Predators, Alien versus Predator, Aliens versus Predator, and Prey. You have a favorite of the uh, group? Oof, I mean, the original, the OG is really good. Uh, it's probably the best, but honestly, I like the, the prequel that just came out, Prey. The one that came out yeah. like, last year, that was really good. Um, That was like one of the favorite movies I've seen in the last couple of years, honestly. But uh, all the other ones are kind of like, eh, not so good. Like the Robert Rodriguez one was kind of a flop to me. And the Alien vs. Predator movies were just more comedy than than action. So, um, yeah, the original one and the newest one, Prey. Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, thanks again, guys. Thank you very much, Brian. And thank you for uh, the love for our uh, Predator review, of course, which you can hear at the Pro Wrestling Cafe, where John Pollock and myself went back to 1987 to talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, who else is in, in this thing? Uh, Jesse Ventura, Carl Weathers. Thank you very much. Uh in Predator, a very enjoyable review. Uh, and speaking of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you can catch John Cena there every Saturday. You can catch Bruce Lord and Kate from Montreal tonight talking about uh, the the uh, aforementioned edition of Collision featuring Brian Danielson versus Kyle Fletcher and Etr versus Ricky Starks and Big Bill. Let's continue with these phone calls and let's go to Hansi. Welcome, Hansi. 
what's going on, man? What's going? I I didn't expect I I didn't expect uh, John Cena to be out here, but I, I, I was surprised. I hope I hope Paul's all right, man. He's he's perfectly fine. We've in fact like mentioned this throughout the week, and I even mentioned it at the beginning <laughs> of the show about why Pollock's not here. But, but oh, for uh, I, okay. I was I was listening to the conference and also like you know what I mean because sometimes I, I I couldn't you know I I, I can't balance. Pollock's fine. He's he's celebrating a Canadian Thanksgiving. Oh, How was the press oh, conference? It was it was it was fine. I mean, the, the basic notes of what Morgan and everyone else told you. It was I I thought that they're gonna do something big where they're gonna have uh, Jade show. I I, I I honestly I would have had Jade. Like I know that she will make a debut regardless. But I was hoping that like you do one of these old school things where she comes in just to put notice on who she's gonna have on the target. Mm-hmm. And then you can play these promos around, you know, like, you know, and, and it can be something where you're anticipating these confrontations a little bit. You know what I mean? You could have played. I feel like her, the way they're presenting her, it feels like, uh, it feels like it's kind of like uh, a Lex Luger, Lex Luger in WWE, but like before the narcissist, like the WBF kind of in a way where they mm-hmm. made mention of him, but like, you know, he, he couldn't come to WWE right away, obviously. But I, I feel like, like, that's like the, the same vibe I'm getting with their with, with the way that they're presenting her on uh, on the programming a little bit. Was there I, no there was there was no reference of Jade at all in the press conference? Like was Hunter out there talking about her at all or anything? Well, like but, but by the time Hunter came out, then I I, I kind of opted to go to your guys' review gotcha. because like it, it just after after that Taylor Swift question, I I was I was I was kind of I was kind of out of it. You know what I mean? I, I was like, mm-hmm. if you do it, I, I AW ones at least. I can get like some semblance of like sanity with those ones at least. With, with these ones, are just, just over the top people just asking, I don't know, just some cringe questions really. But um, I'll check the rest out later on. But I I I I, I agree with you guys. I didn't really uh, like the pay per view all that much. I thought it was a bare bones pay per view. I appreciate some elements in it. The only thing that I can really think of that I can extract, I like the. Cause I don't know if it was by design. But I like that Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso, both their respective tag teams, they both were the weakest links of their tag team because they're not used to tagging with other people. I thought that was actually pretty good. I know that Jay wasn't doing that great, and Cody had to save him, and Solo had to be the one that saved Jimmy and theirs a lot. Like you know what I mean? Because Jimmy would try to get the advantage, and Cena would overcome it. And then Solo would have to come and drop him. So I th- I like that element. I don't know if that was by design. I I can't really like. I think with Jimmy, it is like he's being portrayed as certainly the weaker one of the group compared to Solo Sokoa, who you know is is still being very much protected as like really the only competent you know person uh, uh, next to Roman Reigns in the bloodline. But I don't know if that would have been so intentional with with Jay. Um, I, I I really maybe think it was just there to serve up the hot tag to Cody. Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, it was, but I, I just thought like throughout the throughout the match in the, in the early going, Jay kept getting the one who kept getting the heat on him, and Cody had to come in and keep saving him. Like he had to get tagged in, and he get the advantage. I, I just thought that maybe it was just a small little thing. Like Jay obviously prospered a lot better. I just thought maybe the small thing they're doing where Jay and Jimmy are not used to tagging with other people for, for it. So I thought like like Possible. them. Yeah, I, I just look at it that way. And the other thing that I'm noticing with, with the Judgment Day, since like, like I know that like Rhea is definitely over, and I, I do d- definitely see her going babyface. And the way that she's taking control, and also at the same time kind of disrespecting like Roman Reigns, like some of the decisions she's making are kind of a little bit backfiring. And I think ultimately 
she'll be like the common cause of like they of of, the, of them deciding to get rid of her because she will be the one who's like because Priest should be pissed off about her bringing JD McDonough into the fold because she's the one that's been been permitting it and he's the one that played a part in it and also at the same time telling Paul Heyman yesterday like uh, acknowledge me whatever that in Roman Reigns's office it's like you're bringing more beef to Judgment Day you're making these decisions. So I feel like Rhea is going to be the common cause of because I just think that she's going to go babyface. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that other people are going to like Dom is not going to go babyface. Balor and them might stay heel, whatever, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I really do think Rhea is definitely going to be the one that they actually do kick out. I think I think she's going to be you know the one that crosses over the babyface. I don't know if if or, I had, or she she might she might just get sick of them and just leave on her own. I can't see like her being kicked out, but maybe just getting fed up with them and just saying you know you guys do what you want to do and I'm out. Yeah, I I also can't necessarily see like a big moment where like you know a stable of three to four men are able to somehow like do your traditional pro wrestling like you know get rid of your leader type of like you know angle. Um, I think it'd be more likely that she just simply leaves on her own. But um, she will certainly be a baby face against Nia Jax, but I think still retain like the heel connection, similar to like what what we we've been seeing with the BCC. No, no, definitely. And, and, and before I go, I'll just say, no, no, you're, you're right that they obviously a four man group, like a men group, can't take out a woman. That's why I think that, like, though, if if they definitely do want to make her go babyface, I definitely do see, like, maybe not like having Naya join or something like that, but I could see Naya being one of the reasons why. Like, if if like let's say Naya beats Rhea, then Dominic will then lose confidence in her or whatever because. She's like looks like you know un- unbeatable, but at the same time, I also could see that you know maybe Naya could a lot could be sent by the bloodline to mm-hmm. further do that if you wanted to do that at least. I don't know, but I- I'm interested in where that goes at least. But um, I- I'm kind of I'm kind of curious to see what they do with Cody and Jay and the tag team. I don't know if that would be a long time thing, but I can't say that this show was all that great. I I, I like the main event, but the main event was uh. I honestly, I thought Nakamura should have won. I thought even if you do it for like two, like two, like one or two months, just give Nakamura a run because like now it's like Why? if you're gonna if you're gonna continue the feud, it's like then this is where I start get where the, where the heel loses twice in a row. And this is where I start. Not, like, I don't think they will continue. I think, that's it. It. I think this yeah, is it. That was it. Then, and then okay, fine. So before I go, what would you guys do with Nakamura to follow this? Like, how would you keep him like still hot and like? not go for the title now because now it seems like you know what i mean because like now it's like when you don't deliver on your promises like i i've enjoyed this build for nakamura more than i've enjoyed like a lot of his wwe run on the main roster so i'll leave you guys with that and what you guys would want to see with nakamura afterwards peace out guys thank you hanzi I don't know if Nakamura is so much of a priority for them. I mean, the priority was, you know, telling a story with Seth Rollins and getting this this backstory over. I thought really for for the cash in attempt, uh, but again, um, they didn't choose to do it. And, and again, I, I I don't know if Nakamura is so much of a priority for them to keep hot. Obviously, you want as many like over characters as possible, and they found one, you know, really good sort of like um gimmick for Nakamura with these sub subtitles, um. Who, you know, what are what's a baby face that they want to like, you know, really push that that's up and coming right now? I mean like a Chad Gable, maybe like I was Gargano. Gable. guys on the on that level. I've, I can't see him like in a big main event picture, but probably like a you know mid mid card feud with any of those names I mentioned. Who's a wrestler with a long lingering injury, you know? 
I mean, maybe there's possibility with like, um, you know, telling a, a story with DIY, like if, if Nakamura were to, were to pair it with somebody, because I, I, I also think like with the whole sub, like with the amount of production that needs to take place for a Nakamura like type of build or or segment, um, they might just opt to go like the more sort of um traditional route of having him paired with a tag team partner that could do a bulk of the talking too in, in a similar fashion. So. I could see a tag team run for him. Uh, I see Tuttle obviously is taken up by Gunther right now, so that's probably not happening. Um, and, you know, for your kind of gatekeeper heels, I, I don't know if there are many other, you know, big opportunities. Yeah, I feel like more like, I know he's on Raw, right? Nakamura's yeah. on Raw. On SmackDown, yeah. I feel like there's more like baby faces from the fight, like with the LWO and whatnot. I feel like he'd probably be better off there, but I'm not sure if they're going to be doing any sort of trades or anything yet. We started to find out who the trade was, right, for, for Jey Uso, so maybe it was Nakamura. Maybe that's Cody's announcement. Mm. I do like what uh, Hanzi was talking about with the um, Jay and Jimmy being like the weak links because they definitely brought it up during the kickoff. They were mentioning, I think somebody had asked Booker T like, hey, you've been in, in a tag team with your brother for the longest time. How does it feel like when you guys broke up and he had to team up with somebody else? And he definitely made it seem like it was difficult, something difficult to do. So that's something I could definitely like um, talk about going into the story. Like, you know, like, I mean, they won the title. So he obviously wasn't too yeah. much of a weak link, but they could definitely fight it up if they want to. Okay, let's go to uh, – what are they going to call themselves? Like if they have a tag team name, what do you think? Uh let's see. Jay and Cody. Jo- Jody? <laughs> I don't know. Um, really quick, Julia. I, saw I saw this comment in the, in the, in the chat here. John Schaap was actually at the event. He said, I was there tonight repping the post office with my new T-shirt. The best match was hands down the opener. Also, the hottest the crowd was all night, aside for the pop for McAfee and the Mania show. All right, cool. Thank you so much for repping us. Really appreciate that. Let's go to uh, feedback from forum.postwrestling.com and let's start things off here with Jay from Colorado who says, I really can't figure out what the point is keeping the title on Seth unless it was for a Damian Priest cash-in. I really thought they were swerving us earlier with Priest having the case taken away. Honestly, it was the weakest PLE of the year in my opinion. But if I could say one nice thing about it, it was that it was short and I will never complain about that. I mean, it's not so short if you're watching in real time, you know, so, you know, like there's a lot of dead time throughout these. So if you're watching it, like after the fact, if you can zip through all the video packages and, and commercials and or for, on Peacock and all that. Yeah, this was probably a pretty quick watch. I was actually texting my friend. And he was like, oh, wow, it's only five matches on this show. That's going to be a much quicker show than last week's Wrestle Dream, right? And I was like, you know, it should be. And then he texts me like towards the end of the show. He's like why is your show three hours long? It only had five matches. Why did it take so long? And I'm like, well, you know, you have the entrances, you have the backstage segments, you have all this stuff that AEW doesn't do. They could just have match to match to match on their shows while WWE has all this outside of the ring stuff that they still need to throw in. You got the packages for the matches. A lot, you know, they have to do to fill out the time. Plus, if you're going to spend all this money to go to a show, I feel like you want to be there not as long as you can, but get your money's worth while you're there. Mm-hmm. Would you like to read the next one, Sina? Sure. We have Manny from Pacoima who says, pretty okay show. The opener was probably the highlight of Fast Lane. Everything else was okay. Cody finished his story, and now it's a tag champ. He can show up to foil the bloodline anytime he chooses. Jay feels like such a big star, and Jimmy just feels like he's just there. Was pretty disappointed with the finish to the last man standing match. Seth took all the punishment just for Nakamura to lose to a Falcon Arrow. But shout out Carlito. Carlito came in late. Took no bumps, hit his finish, and didn't even hit the group pose. Just hit his music and got his coin. What a worker. Um, I guess so. I mean, he he put a lot of work into his body, you know, certainly. Like that 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 was the statement that he made, I think, you know, both at the at Backlash and also tonight. It's the fact that the man looks jacked and, and way bigger than he did in his first run. And that dropkick looked really good too. So I mean he definitely put work in, even though you might not have seen it tonight. 
okay. Well, uh, let's end things off here with Jesse. Um, punction, punction, punctuation list uh, from Cincinnati, who says, I, I'm glad once again the WWE PLE is close to my city, even in Indy. Hope McAfee get McAfee help gets hope Matt Matt. Uh, okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> I can't tonight. So, um, thank you everybody for listening to our WWE Backlash post show. Does uh, Jake from have another thought? Yeah, there's another note for the press conference. It says Triple H was asked about Edge, Adam Copeland, and wished him the best, and agreed that he has done everything in the WWE and felt it was time to go their separate ways. So nice for him to address him. Yeah, seems consistent, I guess, with you know Edge's story of, of WWE not j- simply just not having that much for him, or at least not as much as he's willing to take on. So, uh, so that is it for tonight. Again, check out Collision Course right now. Check out Collision Course where John Cena is usually uh, in that chair every single Saturday with Kate from Montreal over at postwrestlingcafe.com. We released a lot of great shows over the past weekend. And again, the uh, review of predator uh we have of course uh rewind to smackdown where john and i went through last night's edition as well tomorrow we have the return of mcu later with rich fan and uh uh wh park talking about loki did you catch the first episode Cino? i did i was highly highly looking forward to it i love the first season of loki um so i watched it as soon as i can i love how it's like on Thursday afternoons at 9 p.m. It's like a perfect time for me. There's no other wrestling for me to watch at the time. So just throw it on and watch it. And I really enjoyed it. I love the little post credit stinger. And I'm looking forward to the rest of the uh, the episodes of the season. We have on Monday a New Japan Pro Wrestling Destruction Rio Goku post show with Karen Peterson and Bruce Lord as well coming out over in the Post Wrestling Cafe. So uh, sign up right now. PostWrestlingCafe.com. $6 a month gets you audio and video as well uh, right into your feed so thank you all you guys for your support and a huge thank you to john Cena for really uh being the the marathon man over the these past two weekends especially on your birthday weekend no less last week so happy belated birthday to you thank you appreciate it where anytime you guys need me throw up the post signal in the sky and i'll be i'll come over and thank you guys for watching us live over at youtube.com slash post wrestling. Give us a subscribe. We're trying to get to 15,000 subscribers. So uh, until Monday, I suppose we will uh, talk to you then. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye-bye.